Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. We are kicking off a brand new book here today. Uh, we all we, we hope you had a great Fourth uh, of July yesterday. By the way, we should probably mention that before we go too much further. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're we're kicking off the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe today. The first four chapters. Next week, we decided we're going to do the first for the next five. After this. Um, just so that we can then do for the rest of the week. So that's kind of the just plan. Just make sure we don't run into a uh, problem like we did with the magician's nephew. Exactly. Yeah. Let's get that week of five out early because the last mm -hmm. couple are super potent. Um, so, yes. Although, like Pastor Hansen was saying on Friday, a lot of times like medieval books, which is what C.S. Lewis was very familiar with, the climax was in, or the, the, the main point was in the middle of the book. And then, middle. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe we'll cover the main point next week. So, um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So first four chapters of the lion, the witch and the wardrobe by CS Lewis tomorrow so, or today. So <laughs> that's going to be super <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I know of words. Um, and I have a whole half hour of words to do. Oof. Boy, this is not starting out well. Um, but before we get into all of those chapters and discuss, this brand new adventure that starts today, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And Wednesday means that Jacob does that. So take it away, dude. Yeah. And the verse this week <clears throat> is Romans 6, 22 through 23. And I'm going to be reading from a new came James, new Kings James. There we go. What? Uh, words. Um, not for any particular reason. It's just the Bible I had in front of me at the moment. Oh, man. Um, Come on. You could have at least just made up a reason. You know? uh, well, I like the wording so much better because no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same exact words. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, really, I think it is. But here, let me read it. Uh, starting in verse 22. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, and so I do, that is actually different wording than what we had before. It is. For no Which particular reason. I uh, won't, um, won't be putting up the verse image on the screen while you read that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it won't be the same. <laughs> just, just pick up a pick up a new King James. Pick up a new King James. In. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Could do that, but I'm lazy. But um, so. <laughs> very interesting, uh, especially the wording um of it. And this is the same in just about well, at least in the New King James and the ESV. Uh, for the this the for the wages of sin is death. Um, it, very interesting to hear this verse a lot, talked about a lot, but for then to understand it differently in the sense of what is a wage, right? A wage is you getting paid, right? This is your payment. Your payment for sin is death. When working in sin, you are paid in death. It's a very interesting way to think of it that this is an actual, your and this is Bruce and I have sh tried to show show a lot that there is action in the Bible. Uh, like James says, um, faith without works is dead. You are working, right? You are putting in work 
And this is what it and what this is saying is the opposite of that. When you're not working in faith, when you're not putting your work in faith and receiving the wages from that, you're working in sin and receiving the wage of death. Um, so very interesting. I wanted to also mention that this uh, this is the same chapter, and I was mentioning this to Bruce in the pre-show, but um, this is the same chapter, uh, chapter 6 of Romans, where it starts out, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. And um, it's really funny because Bruce, well, we all know this verse, very popular verse, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, but we were like, oh, hey, it's within the same... Uh, the same chapter. Uh, and I know Bruce yep. was saying, he was like, wow, the, the wording of 22 and 23 is very similar to, to that wording. Well, it happens to be in the same chapter. So he was within the same thought. So very interesting point there. So I will move it over to Bruce to continue with yeah. the literature. <clears throat> yeah. It's quite the verse. And what's interesting is the different contexts that these verses apply. Um, the word of God being a living, you know, breathing document. It's not a dead letter, right? It's, uh, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's living, it's breathing. And um, it applies to so much and it speaks to every area of life. So all of these verses that um, <clears throat> we're going through and discussing that we always bring up on the show. It's, it's fascinating to see how, uh, they can also apply in, in instances where we might not have originally thought of that particular verse. So, all right. <clears throat> so today, excuse me, we are talking about the first four chapters. Lucy looks into a wardrobe, uh, what Lucy found there, uh, and then, uh, Edmund and the wardrobe and then Turkish delight. So uh, for those of you, hopefully that, as we always say, you should be reading along with us. So for those of you who were reading along with us in those chapters, um, <clears throat> there, there are a lot of really interesting ways that Lewis introduced this story. Um, some of the, the parts that he decided to, to bring up and, and introduce characters in, in really interesting ways. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of world building, obviously, just kind of like how it was at the beginning of Magician's Nephew. Although this book, I feel gets into the action a lot faster than Magician's Nephew did, which is which is kind of interesting. Um, Even though Magician's it, Nephew, within <clears throat> the first, within the second chapter, you get kind of put into the action because the second chapter is the um, they come into the uncle's uh, library or his his yeah, uh, attic, yeah, and then you're thrown. Or they're in. at least exploring and creating a plan and all that. But there's not, um, I feel like there's, you get to this new world faster than, okay. uh, like, you're introduced to new characters in a mystical world, and there's confusion, there's strangeness, there's, oh, man, wow, this is, this is yeah. a really strange concept, and, you know, all this different stuff much sooner than Magician's Nephew, I don't know, from my perspective, but, so, that's really interesting. Um, there is betrayal there's guilt and then there's redemption which is kind of the theme throughout this whole book right um you know mr tumnus betrays feels guilty and then there's redemption there's a turning around there's a fixing later on obviously the most 
well-known part of this book, Edmund betrays, um, it feels guilty, and then there is redemption, right? And that constantly happens. The world was, you know, delved into darkness, into betrayal. There was guilt. Mm -hmm. There was shame. People were fighting back. There was darkness. And then there was redemption. People being turned back from statues. The light came back. The, the darkness of winter was gone. So it seems like there's, there's these, that's the constant theme running through this book. And, and one of the interesting things is the depiction of that darkness. To me, the depiction, it, as the book goes on, he, Lewis depicts the darkness um, in more, I don't know, day-to-day -day ways uh in in more um descriptive ways i guess right mm -hmm. so like the darkness in this book is described as being an eternal winter or you know it's always winter and there's no christmas constantly it's always winter <laughs> there's no christmas always winter there's no christmas um so there's and, no joy you know right exactly exactly uh and like pastor hansen was saying it was it's funny to you know see that lewis paints St. Nicholas, like, oh, Santa Claus is on the Lord's side, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. Um, which, which was kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's one of the pivotal points is there's Christmas again. Um, and it, one of the things I was thinking was like, oh, what, you know, what are they celebrating? Like, what is the, what is Christmas in Narnia? Um, <clears throat> if they don't know about the death, you know, burial, resurrection, right, ascension right. of Christ, birth of christ what is it they're celebrating um so i'd be interested to to hear that side of the lore but um but to I us think it's what um i think it's what um pastor hansen was saying is that um the there are typewriters in in narnia and stuff oh like the that. sewing machine oh sewing machine that's what it is and yeah. so it's like how do they get that Mrs. type of technology? They're yeah, well, and it's, it's just that. one mrs beaver has a typewriter or now you got me saying it sewing machine <laughs> Yeah. Um and, yeah, and, and that's like... um that's interesting. Uh I heard uh it was a Christian um storyteller or something like that. Um I forget exactly who it was, otherwise I would say the name because you probably know who it is. But um they were talking about how when you read a story, there is a contract going on between the reader <laughs> and the writer. There oh yeah, is a, that was heaven. The heaven misplaced of disbelief. Yeah, that Doug Wilson was Doug Wilson was talking about that in heaven misplaced. That's true. That's true. That's what I was hearing it from. That's right. And how um, you have to go. You have to assume some things. You have to just go along with the story, thinking that the storyteller is going to get to a point where it's all, <clears throat> in a sense, going to make sense, but it's all going to make a good story, right? And you're going to enjoy this story, even if there are things in it that don't seem plausible or aren't real, in a sense. Yeah. So, you, and it, you know, that's the suspension of disbelief. You suspend your your disbelief. You you set it aside for a second to read the story and um, get what you want out of it, you know? Yeah. A nice story, really. But yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, so... You know, at the beginning of the story, we're introduced to four children, right? And one of them, <clears throat> as we'll find out later, uh, and actually the betrayal begins uh, in the fourth chapter here. 
So we can touch on that a little bit because it is in the purview, the scope of this episode. Um, one of them betrays the rest, right? Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting, though, is that that, that betrayal was preceded. Uh, it didn't just come out of nowhere, you know? It's not like this was just some like, oh, the first person who stumbled into Narnia happens to be, uh, you know, met by the witch and then betrays and then all this occurs. It's like, well, no, this too was part of the sovereign uh, control, uh, if you will, of, of Aslan, right? Which, which is really fascinating because if you think about it, that's the same uh, in, you know, in, in, in our, mm -hmm. in real life, right? The, the traitor was already predestined to betray Christ, right? That was already, right. which led to his death, which led to the redemption of the world and the binding of Satan. <clears throat> In this case, the traitor was already predestined to betray Aslan, betray the, through the dark magic so that it would bring about the death of Aslan so that he would, you know, it would restore the world, which, which is like, wow, that's, that's a really cool way of him weaving that in. But the character of the traitor was outlined as already someone who's predisposed to, you know, mocking his younger sibling, not loving and caring for her. And I think that that's an interesting thing too, because it, it places the, you know, the, the role of older brothers, older siblings, especially men, males, should be to protect their younger siblings, especially if they're females, right? That should be abundantly apparent. And so for him to have not, to not have those predispos you know, predispositions to <clears throat> be mocking Lucy, making fun of her, you know, all of that mm -hmm. was like he was primed and ready to be a traitor through those yeah those actions it's an interesting also the reaction of peter in that um in a sense it's 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 not the same as edmund but it's it's more of well i guess in a sense he is being an older sibling and is trying to understand it he's trying to um say oh well maybe you know this was a story, was it? I don't know. I, you know, right. trying to maybe figure it out. Let her and have not... her fun. She's got an imagination. Right, right. right. Um, but also, I think also in this, uh, what we exactly saw in Magician's Nephew, we also saw in, in this story with, um, with what we were saying at the very beginning with um, children and adults, right? How children are naturally exploring, how naturally, when they first come to the house, when they first come to this mansion, and in, in here, you can actually specifically see um, uh, girls versus boys, right? How Susan is like, oh, look, a library, let's read. And uh, <laughs> Peter's like, what? Reading? Let's just explore. This is a huge house. Let's run around right. and explore the house. What do yeah, you mean yeah. reading? Yep. So yep. I thought that was also interesting, uh, that yeah. small little bit and how it mirrors uh, Magician's Nephew. Yeah, that was really cool. That was really cool. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, one of the things that we were talking to Pastor Hansen about that he brought up was the whole idea of, of feasting, right? There's, there's the good food and then there's the evil food. And, you know, mm. we going through... Um, 
angels in the architecture, talking about medieval Christianity, learning about all those different facets of uh, the medieval realm, Christendom, all of that, <clears throat> we were introduced to that idea of feasting, right? And so that was already something we were, that's something we were familiar with. And then we, and that's something that Lewis was familiar with too, which was what Pastor Hanson was talking about. And so, yeah, we were introduced to that in, in this, uh, mm. in these four chapters, you know, the Turkish delights and, and all that, which coincidentally well, actually tastes ooh, pretty terrible that, in real life. But <laughs> that's <clears throat> certainly an interesting thought of it and how, because you see two instances, you see the good, good-ish food and the, um, the bad food, but you see Tumnus feeding Lucy, which I, I don't know if you can denote that is good or bad, but at least from the description of it, it seems good. It seems yeah. nice, right? Um, but then when you see Edmund eating and everything, there is, in a sense, a, a un, unfillingness, right? He continues wanting to eat more. And with every bite, he wants more, right? There is not a satisfied uh, na nature. There is a gluttonous nature with that food. Yeah. There is yeah. a continually wanting more and more and more and more and more. <laughs> and you could consider that the nature of Edmund, though. That's Edmund's nature. But I, I think it's also interesting to think of it in the sense of the food. The food isn't filling. It's not filling food. Yeah. It's not going to actually sustain him and give him the nutrition. Yeah. And, well, and it, it, it was enchanted to be that way. You know, it was enchanted to mm, be food that mm -hmm. would make the victim keep coming back for more and do anything for another bite you know um yeah which is why he did what he did and right. i think that it's interesting the way that 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 betrayal that sin is outlined here because it's the <clears throat> initial fact of uh initially it was something good initially it was something enjoyable it was like ooh, this is fun Ooh, this is you know um, it was, uh, this secret little desire or whatever that was being fulfilled. But then after doing that, you know, it, it, in the moment it seemed like, oh, Hey, this is fine. How, how could this have bad repercussions? How could this do anything? And then in the, in the end, the, the end result was the death of Aslan, mm -hmm. the death of the king of the world, like that little act that disobedience that succumbing to temptation resulted in the death of the lord of all mm -hmm. and the way that that's portrayed in this was to me just astounding because it, it is drawn out you know and you kind of don't even expect it you expect mm -hmm. oh look at that edmund got what he he got what he deserved. He's now chained up in the in the sled of the witch, and that's he had it coming, you know. Like, well, there we go. I guess mm -hmm. that was what he deserved. And then you find out, oh, wow, no, uh, okay, that's not even close to what he deserves. What he deserves is death. Holy! And then you know, it's like the the act and the repercussions of that were so much deeper than you first thought. Had so much. Um, more destruction than mm -hmm. was originally assumed and then it looked like and then what you know so i thought that that was really cool the way that that was portrayed so mm -hmm. yeah yeah well 
this um these first few chapters you know we we don't want to get too far into the weeds because there's there's so much here um this one i felt like it, it definitely might have been a good idea to read this book first <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying that but yeah because it's like all right this is this has a lot of the world building this has a lot of introducing to the new characters introducing to the world um and i think that it's it's kind of cool the way that it was like outlining all of that when we kind of already knew a lot of that stuff going into it because we read magician's nephew and and so it was a little less um mind-blowing or ooh wow what is this you know it was more like oh mm -hmm. yeah I, re I remember something like that oh yeah that that sounds familiar it's just sort of building on what was there um so anyways um yeah today is going to be a, a shorter episode just because we don't want to do um, too much and delve too too deeply into the rest of the chapters because we want to give you a chance to read them. Um, we don't want to spoil them for you ahead of time, but um, we also um, want to talk about them in the context that that we're in. So again, just just to recap before we wrap up here, um, you know what we were what these four chapters were doing was kind of world building, setting up this entire you know idea of of Narnia in this way, right? Because Narnia has changed mm -hmm. since the last time we saw it. Um, so there was, there was a lot that was different. Uh, oh, you, you know, one thing we were talking about in the pre-show, we, we have a little, we have some time to bring that up now is the, the difference in the, the tactics of the evil queen, right? She was brute forcing it, if you will, in the, uh, magician's nephew, right? Like she was just like, Oh, let's kill him. Throw a metal bar at Aslan's head or, you know, just it, she seems so much more at the forefront so much more of a play like a just a i don't know in your face sort of you just always knew what her intentions were whereas now she is a predominant player on the board but you really aren't sure what her intentions are she's more mm. subtle she's more like tempting and um you know all these different things more sly if you will and we, you know, Jake and I were kind of talking about that in the pre-show where it's, you're, we can compare that to our real, you know, to the real world where Satan, before the binding of Satan, was very much a, you know, controlling nations and, and, and entire countries and, and, you know, wars and all of these things um, inhabiting people to, you know, at, at massive rates um, and controlling mo much of the world and inhabiting and and actually uh i don't know what the word is that i'm looking for but but taking israel and and twisting it right darkening it mm -hmm. a little bit um to worship idols and all of that and then you get to the new covenant and now nowadays he has to do things differently right he can't deceive the nations anymore he can't do what he used to be able to do <laughs> and so he acts differently and he's more in the background he's more sly he's more tempting he's he's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour but at the same time he's kind of on his own now he doesn't have the strength of nations right mm -hmm. he has his legion right but they're way less effective than they used to be yeah and it's just really interesting to see that tactical shift where if he wants to get ahead now knows he's doomed but hey 
He wants to spit in God's face as much as he can while he still can. And so, but he, you can't do it the same way he used to. So anything well, you yeah, want to add? Look to? at that with the, with the queen, right? When in turn, she ruled armies, right? She had armies right. that she fought with and she didn't need to tempt, right? She didn't need to do that. She just, she had the control of people and she told them to go. Yeah. She was a powerful witch. She had power. Um, and then coming into Narnia, um, she didn't have those armies. She didn't have that, so she needed to build that. She needs to, uh, she needs temp. She needs to do things more slyly. Um, whereas, and you look at that current day America as well. Um, and actually, to be honest, in America, it's happening a lot the opposite way, right? at the beginning when there was all that good and it and it still is that same theme that when when a nation is pe- controlled by goodness right when a nation is following god's law evil has to be sly right mm. when a nation is good evil has to slowly do their stuff yeah um yeah but then when a nation is evil when when we've what we have currently today evil can be out everywhere can just walk about can just be doing whatever it wants and no one cares there isn't there isn't and now now good right now good has to do the opposite good has to start working slowly and uh subtly going up through so yeah yep yeah so there there were a lot of things in these chapters so we highly encourage you as always to read them for yourself um first four chapters and uh, yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, like we always say, it's us sharing with you what we found particularly interesting about these about the chapters we read. Um, if you had some other favorite parts or you liked some of the things that we talked about, uh, leave a comment in the comment section. Send us an email, uh, trdshow at protonmail.com. If you don't want to leave a comment, uh, commenting, I, I think is easier. But hey, maybe you're a podcast <laughs> listener and uh, you don't have access to commenting. You could just hop over to our Rumble page, hit subscribe, and then comment there. Or you can send us an email. Again, that's trdshow at protonmail.com. Check out our website, trdshow.net. Again, that's trdshow.net. Uh, we have all of our episodes on our on our own website, our own platform, um, as you are probably aware, although we've gotten a lot of new listeners and watchers in recent uh, months. So you may not be aware, we completely abandoned our YouTube channel. It's still there. So, you know, if you wanted to share some of those videos with your friends, I don't know why you'd want to do that as opposed to Rumble. But hey, <laughs> maybe one of those crazy people who still likes to use YouTube, then uh, you can do that. But we aren't actively pushing any more videos to that platform because they hate us and they hate God and they hate free speech. So um, they can go back to uh, their communist hole anytime now. Uh, and we would love to help them on that on that push, on that journey there. So that's why we left. Um, so, you know, follow us on our, our platform, trdshow.net or Rumble or Gab TV or Gab. There's so many places that we can go today. So be a pilgrim, haha. <laughs> be a Puritan, and uh, do what they did. Leave the the mainstream, convenient, easy to live in places, and go to where it's harder. Go to where it's less familiar. They hopped on a ship and went thousands of miles across a flipping ocean on a ship that almost sunk several times, and half of them died. You have to go to gab.com. <laughs> 
<laughs> one is not like the other. And I think one is significantly easier. So if you are still on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what are you doing? Gab is so easy and it's free. Go to gab.com slash TRD show and follow us there. Um, you can follow us on Rumble as well. Rumble.com slash C. I think it means channel, short for channel, slash C slash TRD show. And uh, you can follow us there or just go to trdshow.net and we got a list of all of our stuff there. So we tried to make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. I haven't given one of these free speech platform rants in months. So <laughs> it was due. <laughs> there you go. And we had some extra time. So there's that. Uh, thank you all so, so much for watching. Uh, and we are super stoked for our Friday episode. Stay tuned for Friday. We got a special guest since Cade Nash and I. Cade is one of our uh, editors. Well, actually one of our primary uh social media people here uh we are here in uh moscow idaho for the week which is pretty awesome and uh we figured hey wouldn't it be so cool to get someone from here on the show live like in person and so we did just that we have keith daryl joining us on friday to have a discussion about independence and uh stuff of that nature so you don't want to miss that episode so stay tuned for that and i uh, thank you all so so much for watching And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. 